This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Onatangata O Manawatu. It is time to turn our attention to Manawatu District Council, and it it has been a while, but we're getting back on track. And we have uh, on the phone this morning Mayor of Manawatu, Helen Warboys. Good morning to you. Oh, good morning, Fraser. It's great to catch up again. Yes, uh, it, it's been a while, but uh, I would say that one of the sort of prevailing uh, topics uh, of recent months when we have caught up has been uh, the Three Waters uh, debate, uh, which is a national debate between uh, the current government and the vast majority of uh, councils and local authorities across New Zealand. Um, so I don't feel like we've missed out too much because we've seen a lot of coverage of that in the the national media Uh, and it seems from what I gather that not only does Manawatu District Council sort of support the general narrative from the other councils but you've you can also justify that because you did a consultation. Uh, We did we did an engagement process with our community and we felt it was really important that our ratepayers and our residents knew as much as we did because we, we've no idea where this is going to go next. Uh, we had until Friday to send our feedback into the government, which we did, and we wanted to check that our community uh, felt like we did. And uh, they certainly did, and we got uh, 2,540 feedback forms from our community, which was an outstanding response, um, one of the highest we've had for anything that we've gone out to the community with. And uh, so we put that into the government. Um, We've said that we can't see any benefit from joining in this reform. And we now wait and see what the government decides. Yeah, and and the the the, the thing with this uh, that I found quite interesting is that all the councils have have replied to the government. They seem to have made their stance very clear. I mean, I, I think there's only like six or seven councils that are in favour of the current proposal, and we're talking sixty plus that are against. Um, but Nanaya Mahuta has gone on record, certainly, and I think I heard her talking on RNZ, saying that um, councils maybe not reading this properly or, or not interpreting the information correctly. What, what's your response to that? Well, I, I guess the response to that is, look, there are so many unanswered questions, and every time we went on a Zoom meeting or a webinar or you know, there was some more information that came out that that we went, wash. when did that change? Um, so, you know, and I guess what is fair to say is that it, I, I'm surprised that some councils have made the actual firm and final decision to pull out because we haven't seen a final proposal from government to consider. So all we've said to the government is based on what we know to date... We can't see the benefit for our ratepayers given the investment that we've made over many years. So, you know, I'm assuming eventually a proposal, a final proposal will turn up. We will need to do some risk analysis work about what happens if we're in or out. And then, of course, we will need to make a a final decision. But also there needs to be some consultation, a formal consultation process with our community. And I guess 
you know, some of the cynical people are saying mm, they might just skip that bit and make it mandatory. Yeah, and I mean, does Manawatu District Council want to be in charge of water, or do you see is is there merit in you know the risk of the pun throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just moving to a a national model? Well, we all accept that uh, standards need to be consistent, and in some communities, the standards need to be reached. So. Uh, the Tamata ROI, the water regulator, totally support that. They will set the new standards for water. But we cannot see that taking away the decision-making and the maintenance, renewals and upgrades, etc., taking that away from the local community who owns and has paid for these assets is going to be beneficial. We are, we're quite happy to look at a regional model with neighbouring councils. We've done some work on that and keen to tidy that one up as well. Uh, but we're saying to the government, we can't see how this is going to benefit us when you've got from Gisborne to the top of the South Island. You know, is, is anyone even going to care about what happens here in the Manawatu district? Well, I mean, and that's the other point, isn't it? That I, uh, it, I'm not for one second suggesting that MDC is selfish, but there are councils out there whose infrastructure is in very uh, poor state of maintenance or repair or in desperate need of renewal. You could argue that that's down to mismanagement and being poorly run. Regardless, ratepayers do not have the security of safe drinking water, for one particular example, that Manawatu District Council residents and ratepayers do. Do we do some councils just need to take one on the chin for those that desperately need the upgrade because they're going to need the central government support? Oh, absolutely they're going to need support, but we're suggesting to government for those councils that need some help for whatever reason to improve their investment into three waters. We think there's smarter ways of doing it. For example, but like we do for roading, the government gives us a subsidy. Every council subsidy is slightly at a different rate depending where we're at and the, the uh, deprivation rates of our community. You know, maybe something like that could be considered. But I guess at the end of the day, the question comes down to do the ratepayers in our community, in the Manawatu district, want to now subsidise councils within Entity C that have not invested well uh, particularly when our rates are some of the highest in New Zealand, uh, fielding residential I'm talking about. So, you know, it's about um, we've looked after our three waters and uh, so do we actually want to subsidise others who haven't perhaps? Well, and, and that I suppose that the, the, the argument to that is that with the government's proposal to set up the new infrastructure and run it through government, you wouldn't be subsidising those councils. Those councils would have those assets taken off them, like MDC would as well, but there would, wouldn't be any subsidising those, those councils because they just wouldn't have the assets anymore to repair them. It wouldn't be their responsibility anymore. Uh, well, it, well, all of those councils, like Entity C, there's 22 councils, you're right, all of our assets would go to that Entity C. So Entity C would set the rate for the three waters rates that uh, we would pay to them. And the government has made it very clear that we would be subsidising to make sure that everybody within Entity C comes up to the standards. So... You know, if, if, if little work is needed on our three waters infrastructure, 
someone like Palmerston North City or Gisborne or uh, Hawke's Bay, you know, one at Napier or one of those councils may need some work. So the, the, there will be cross-subsidisation amongst the entity C, or, or amongst every entity. Uh, we're an entity C, of course. So, um, and we're saying, well, we've, we've chosen to invest and invest well in infrastructure, and uh, the community have told us loud and clear they want those decisions made close to home and done locally. Is this a sort of scaling up of the age-old argument, you know, I don't use that resource, so why should I pay for it? Particularly looking at council facilities like libraries and swimming pools. Uh, Ratepayers will go, you know, I, I, I don't use the library, why, why should I? Well, I don't go swimming, why should I? Is, is this not the same argument? I don't use that water supply, so why should I? <laughs> well, you, you, can, you could apply that, uh, but we have communities of interest where pools and libraries uh, fit in those communities of interest. But we, it would be um, pushing it a bit far to say that it's a community of interest from Gisborne down to the top of the North Island as a way to... We just don't see that this is the right way to solve some of the issues that we have around three waters in the country. And a number of councils are now saying we would like to have a look at a regional model where we work with councils in our region. And same here. We've done some work earlier before this government reform uh, came out. And we'd like to pick that work up and do a bit more and just see what that looks like. So is that bolstering the uh, the existing responsibilities of Horizons? Well, who knows what it might look like, but it means that locals would still be in control of their own destiny around three waters. And whether you do it regionally, whether it's you know, two or three councils or whether it's seven councils or eight councils, we'd like to have that opportunity, you know, we do this with infrastructure with Rangitiki. We have a shared service that works well for both councils. We're going, maybe we could have a look at that and expand that. But you've still got the local people who own their own assets and are making those decisions. But, of course, remember, it's not just about bringing all our infrastructure up to a common standard. For us, there are things like growth, economic development, trade waste, some of those projects that we're well into uh, because we've done the investment on the infrastructure, we're saying where would they fit under the entity? Do they become a low priority? Uh, you know, we're growing, we want to invest in more infrastructure. Will that be a priority for the entity? Well, we'll see uh, what happens moving forward. Are you just in a holding pattern now? Or are you just waiting to see what the government response is to all the feedback? Uh, yes, we are. It's been pretty full on uh, up until last Friday when we got our submission away and now it's really up to, I understand, the Cabinet's meeting. The DIA are pulling all the information together from the various councils and uh, we'll present that to government and they'll make the decision on where to from here. So yes, it's wait and see now. Uh, we are here with Mayor Helen Warboys on the catch-up. If you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, then head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Um, speaking of water, we'll stay with that for a moment, uh, Helen, because the Manawatu River Accord uh, is celebrating 10 years of uh, activity and, and action uh, in the space of uh, preserving or, or bringing back the Manawatu River, um, which has been a bit of an uphill struggle, really, hasn't it? 
Uh, well, I, I just think this is this is an amazing initiative for the Manawatu River Leaders Accord. Ten years ago, came together and decided that the only way we were going to do this was to do it together. So regional council, local councils, iwi, business leaders and the community. And, of course, we've all got that common goal of improving our water for, for generations to come. Um, so every council's done their little bit, and Manawatu District, Aurora River, is a tributary into the Manawatu River. And I guess the biggest one that we've contributed to the success of the accord has been uh, introducing our land-based discharge system for the Fielding Wastewater Treatment Plant. And as you will recall, over summer we now discharge up to 2 billion litres of treated water for around six months of the year, depending on the weather, to land. And so that is significant. Uh, we've also have an agreement and a partnership with uh, Ngāti Kauwhata to look at a... Uh, we're looking at a wetland project, and that will further improve the discharge quality for those months that we don't go into the river. There's been lots of planting, community projects. Our native nurseries been supplying plants along the Aurora River, banks uh, down at Timona Park and you know it's just a beautiful environment now, opened up the river invited, you know it's an invitation for visitors, locals, fishermen to go down there and just enjoy that space so you know I say well done to everybody that's been involved, um, you know we've still got some way to go and there's always more that we can do but I think this is a great initiative and uh, should be celebrated. Yeah, speaking of water treatment, it sounds like the the system that Manawatu District Council has in place is what the Palmerston North City Council uh, opted for a few weeks ago, uh, or trying to anyway, uh, with the discharge to land and discharge to water. Um, The City Council were uh, accused of uh, not aiming for, you know, not the... They didn't go for the most aspirational option, um, which, you know, you would argue if, if you're wanting to treat the, the river with the respect it deserves, you would do that. Is, is, is there a need to balance between uh, the ideal environmental outcome and what you've got in your pocket at the time? Well, I think, it, you know, you have to be realistic. Ideally, we would love to have no discharge into the river at all all year round, and that, that's our goal. Um, but the reality is the cost of doing that versus the number of people that have the ability to pay. You know, if you look at some of the big places in Singapore, London, etc., they treat their wastewater to such a high quality that it goes back into the system as drinking water. But, uh, you know, my little bit of understanding of it is that the cost to do that is just horrendous. And, you know, even the population of New Zealand couldn't justify doing that kind of work. So anything that we can do that improves that, um, then let's do it. Um, let's, uh, there's a, 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 an, an announcement uh, that we should make, uh, and this is important uh, for anyone that is in a financial situation uh, due to COVID primarily, um, but you are, you've removed penalties on late rates repayments due to the, the pandemic and the bouncing around in alert levels that we're doing at the moment. I think it's fair to say that council, again, you know, we did it last year and we've done it again this year, acknowledging that COVID lockdown has been tough on everybody, um, varying levels on businesses um, and, you know, and people, families about paying the bills, etc. And uh, some anxiety around that. So, yes, council at our last uh, meeting 
we passed a resolution to uh, withdraw the penalties for overdue rates balances. That's for instalment one, which are due now. And for the next instalment, we're looking to extend the due date by 10 days. And so that will just give some relief to people to help them manage the finances. And uh, But we're also saying, look, you know, if that, if, if that isn't enough to help, then please give our contact centre a call and we can talk to you case by case. But this is just acknowledging that COVID, the ongoing lockdowns, etc., is difficult for some people in our community. Very good. We are here with Mayor Helen Warboys on the catch-up on Manawatu People's Radio. Uh, we are also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um, you've uh, got a quarterly economic update to, well, the end of the financial year for some people, June 2021. How are things going? Uh, for us, it was the year in 2021 uh, with June and uh, fantastic. Look, you know, we've talked about COVID lockdown impacts, impact, etc., but um, our GDP continues to go up. So we were up $74 million, so our GDP now sits at $1.35 billion. That's to the year end June 2021. And of course, our key strengths, which is why this is holding so well, is food production, which is what the world wants. And of course, the uh, very strong strength around defence. And not only in our district, but in our region. So, you know, it's, it's been some really good news. Uh, our unemployment rate is at 2.9. That's below the region at 4.8. And nationally, it's 3.9. Um, but, you know, there, there's been a slight decline in the people receiving benefits. But then on the, there's always a, you know, there always is a downside to these kind of things. The average house price, again, you know, went up 28.5% uh, year on year. So, you know, that makes it unaffordable for many people. And we've seen the numbers of families on the waiting list increase. We've now got 114, and that's an increase of 37 on last year. These are families waiting for public housing. So, you know, there's, there's always a bright side, but there's always those people in our community that get impacted by this. And and what is uh, MDC's plan to address that? Obviously, they're waiting for, uh, I, I assume, state housing, but uh, you, the MDC has a relationship with the, the Manawatu Trust that do the, um, the, 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 the social housing as well. Is there plans to expand upon that? Uh, yes, absolutely, yes. The Manawatu Community Trust look after the social housing on behalf of council. We are talking with them. They have plans underway for expansion, but we're also talking about how we might change their legal entity so that the government would recognise them as an accredited housing provider and that provides some, makes the dollars that they do have go that much further. So that's, that's on the radar at the moment. Our housing strategy is about to come back to council. Uh, we've done some tweaking around um, infill, encouraging infill houses in the district looking at reducing the development contributions for infill housing and possibly looking at some, some projects of our own. We might counsel maybe with Kayang Aurora or with some rural, uh, local developers. Is there some opportunities that we might do some of this housing development ourselves? 
Again, not to uh, compare you constantly with Palmerston North City Council, but there are a few uh, rather large developments uh, currently underway within the city council boundaries that have that sort of mixed model uh, with private development and some social housing as well. Uh, is that the way of the future in, in, instead of having, you know, the block of social housing, uh, much like Papayoya Place in Palmerston North, but instead having that mixed model and bringing all the different styles together on, in the one space? Oh, absolutely. I think, I, you know, uh, just prior to lockdown, I went to a conference in Auckland called Rethinking Housing, and it certainly opened my eyes. The message I got out of that was that we need to change people's thinking that it is not their right necessarily in their lifetime that their goal is to own their own home, that, you know, there are other ways of doing this, you know, rent for life, uh, and some of the really, really good developments that they have overseas are now slowly coming to New Zealand, where it gives people other options than just owning their own home outright. But yes, absolutely agree. It's about partnerships. You know, councils may have land, but no uh, money to put into this. And that's where we could partner with the government or with developers. And, you know, there's also, I think... People's eyes are wide open now about what are the opportunities, how can we make this happen. And, you know, the city's done some really good stuff around housing and improving, particularly affordable housing, and uh, we're, keen, we're keen to do something in that space as well. Forgive my ignorance, but will the uh, R- proposed RMA reforms have any bearing on a council's ability to, to, to swiftly uh, allocate land or allocate areas for uh, development in this way? Or is, is, that, it, it, is that space relatively OK at the moment? Uh, I would certainly hope that the RMA is going to make the whole, the whole uh, thing around building, consents, etc. It's going to make that a whole lot easier. Um, and that's what we're looking forward to, to seeing what comes out of that reform. You know, again, the cynic and some people say, well, the RMA has been reformed uh, many times and it just got tougher and crazier. So we're hoping that this time there will be some common sense applied to it and we can together make it easier. But on the other hand, you know, we we have to have really good standards. We have to have checks and balances in place to make sure that what we are building uh, stands up to, you know, we've had leaky homes, we've had, you know, there's, there's been a scenario after scenario with building products, etc. Um, so we, we still have to have rules in place, but they need to be, we need to be able to all work together. And I think that's the key message that I'm hearing. Uh, I know that um, there was, uh, when I was speaking to the City Council, they were, uh, during, I think, Alert Level 3, they were saying that their building inspectors and the planning people were back on deck swiftly working through backlog. Uh, is there backlog at MDC as well? Uh, well? We have a shared service with the city, so uh, our building services, we share inspectors, etc. So uh, the workload, yes, totally agree, the workload is huge. Um, with more and more um, people looking to build. And uh, and the other problem is, you know, we've had uh, Kaying Aurora, the government's housing uh, department, have been around poaching, headhunting staff from councils. And so that's another reason why we're saying, look, can we please work together? Because there are limited resources and expertise in the country. And, uh, you know, if we work together, I'm sure we could do this um, smarter and you know we're going to achieve the results that we want to do so yeah I for me it's about 
looking at all of the options. How can we make how can we make uh, building the houses that are needed for people? How can we make this happen? And it may not just be, you know, you build a house and uh, and you save your money and to own your home. There may be other ways of doing it, as we've seen overseas. And the big one that um, we've seen is off-site manufacturing. You know, where we've seen new businesses popping up all over the place where they are constructing houses off-site and uh, that makes them more affordable, they can be built quicker, but there's a whole lot of cost savings, health and safety benefits from doing that and I think the RMA will certainly have a look at that and I'm hoping make that kind of manufacturing uh, much more desirable. Very good. We've got a couple of minutes left, Helen, uh, a chance to uh, recognise a fairly hefty contribution of knocking on four decades uh, of uh, work in the community. Senior Constable John Samuel are retiring. Oh, yes. Look, you know, everybody knows John. Uh, He's our youth youth aid officer here in Fielding. You know, he's done nearly, like you said, four decades in the police force, and most of that has been here in Fielding. And uh, there are so many young people who owe their really good choices in life down to the mentoring and support that John has given them over the years. And uh, we're certainly going to miss him. He's de- him and his wife have decided it's time to retire and go and enjoy life uh, a bit more. So, you know, good on him. But we just wanted to say thank you to, to John for all of the work he's done, not, not just the, the role in his day-to-day life, but... He's always there for community events. He plays in the band, you know, the Blue Light, the Cactus Program, etc. If there's any youth activities, uh, you can be rest assured that John's there. And uh, some people have said to me he might be retired from the police force, but we still expect to see him around uh, getting involved because that's just his nature. And so we wish him well and thank him for everything that he's done for our community. I was going to say, it strikes me that with a sort of a CV like that, retirement will not stop him doing the work in the community and he'll probably still be around. Uh, absolutely. I understand he's going to do some reno on his house first, so that may have to take priority. But, yeah, look, you know, a dedicated, passionate person like John, they don't just switch off their community support. So I do expect that we will see him around in some capacity. But this is just a really good opportunity to say thank you for what he's done. Very good. Mayor Helen Warboys uh, from Manawatu District Council, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks, Fraser. Talk next time. Will do. Uh, There we go, Mayor Helen Warboys. Uh, That's it for the catch-up this morning. Join us tomorrow, hopefully, for another edition at half past eight in the morning. Remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Speak tomorrow. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.